help it. If you didn't get the first one, look at the podcast. But I want to just talk about the wisdom of, of how we do life. Not just knowledge, but walking through it, applying what we know is right. Oh, it's so important. And the first piece of wisdom I see with this young man is found in the verses of um, uh, 17 and 18. Uh, verses 17 and 18, that's it. I'll just flick it through. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Petra. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I'll go to my father, I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. You know, the first element I see in this young man's life is the wisdom of responsibility. And he took responsibility the moment he made a decision to get up and go. He took responsibility. The wisdom of responsibility. As soon as the young man said, I will rise, he started to take up an absolute um, attribute of wisdom. And before that moment, it was all good intentions and it was just knowledge, but no wisdom. But then he got up and went. And that's when wisdom started to happen. We need the wisdom of responsibility, don't we, in life? We need the responsibility. Who remembers there's a group called the Beatles? Just four of us? Oh, we must be all over 50, are we? They were a famous British pop band. I think we all would. And they wrote a song, and this is how it went. It says, um, when I found myself in times of trouble, Mary, Mother, Mary, no, Mother Mary came to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. You've got to do the whole thing. Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Let it be. Okay, we, it's okay. We won't try and sing it too much. Um, but I want to just let you know that that's, uh, there's a terminology for that kind of statement. Let it be, let it be. It's called fatalism. Do you know what fatalism is? Oh, whatever will be, will be. You know Doris Day, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. I want to tell you, there's no wisdom in the Beatles song. No wisdom in that. Oh, whatever happens will happen. You know? Um, fatalism is accepting whatever. It's a despondency. It's a resignation to say, well, I'll just let it happen and that'll be fine. Um, you know? Uh, it, 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 it's, but it doesn't allow for any accountability and responsibility in life. And so I appreciate what the Beatles wrote. They wrote some great songs. But this one and that line, I just can't grasp that. Because to let it be and let it be. No, God didn't, God just didn't ask you to hitchhike through life and whatever happens, it'll happen. No, he wants you to take responsibility and accountability. Did you know that you can be a master of your own destiny? You can say, just wait a second, no, God, God directs my path. Of course he does, but he's given you a mind and a thought process and an element of common sense to say, hey, and, and his word and faith in our hearts to live life in a responsible way. We need the wisdom of responsibility. We've got to get up out of it. And sometimes that responsibility will tell us, get up out of what you're doing and walk into life and not death. Don't stay in that pig pen of death. Some people never take responsibility for life because of several reasons. And I've just wanted to share with you what I've, I think you will all relate to. Sometimes we don't take responsibility in life and people in general don't take responsibility because they blame God for things. With this statement, if God was a good God, this wouldn't happen to me. 
It, great statement, interest, not great statement, but this is an interesting statement. It's interesting that God, who they didn't believe in, suddenly comes to life when they need to blame him. Does that make sense? And, and uh, if you were just to think it through for a second, if, if, if our God, he is good, but if he intervened in every element of our life, and in every element of the world, and he said, well, I'll stop wars in this world. And so he stops all the civil war and all the civil unrest. And if he can stop all the civil unrest, why can't he stop, you know, why can't he stop rape and murder? And if he stops rape and murder, why can't he stop, you know, um, uh, children running across roads and getting hit by cars? And if he can stop children running road getting hit by cars, why can't he just stop my sickness and my disease? You know, where, where do we end? Well, what we end with is that we become puppets on God's string with no choice, and we are controlled. And God doesn't become a God of love. He becomes a God of control. And so we become the ones that, that we're just robots in his scheme of things. And God never planned it that way. God always said, you make choices, you, and the choices I give you is to accept and reject me. Who would ever want to follow a God that forced him to follow him? And so that's where it ultimately ends up. And so this whole thought that if God was a good God, um, he wouldn't allow me to have any problems. Well, you know what? I'm glad that we serve a great God and he doesn't want you to have problems. It's just that I continually, allow, I continually sow stuff that, does, that makes me that way. You know, you forget to put fuel in the car. You say, well, God, I wouldn't have run out of fuel if you were a good God. No, grow up. You forgot to put fuel in the car. You know what I'm saying this morning? Take responsibility. The young man finally came to that point in his life where he says, the only way I'm going to have a better life is get out of the pig pen and go home to my dad and humble myself. So there was a wisdom of responsibility. So some people, it's amazing how people find it easy to blame God when things go wrong than to look in the mirror and see what I need to be responsible for Sometimes. Some people today have discovered our world is doing this more and more. Some people blame um, genetics for not taking responsibility. You know, they'll say, well, I was just born this way and that's the way I am. So that's how I'm going to live out my life. I've got no doubt at all that some of us have a predisposition. I can have a predisposition that what I eat, I can have a predisposition to put on more weight than when someone else ate the same thing. I understand that. Our bodies can be different. But you know what? Genetics didn't make me eat the six extra pieces of cake. Um, my genetics um, didn't make me have another drink. I might have a predisposition to maybe somewhere in my life to be influenced some way in my genetics by addictions, but it doesn't make me do the things that I shouldn't do. Okay? Does that make sense? And so the trend is continuing in our day to find a genetic cause for everything. Or, oh, this person's got this problem. Oh, well, that's because they were born like that. Or this. And, you know, I'm not going to say it, but we all know the things that people say. Well, that's the way I was born, and that's the way I'm going to follow my sexuality or whatever it may be. I want to tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell. And why, we're, why we continue to not take responsibility and we continue to blame it on some genetic uh, immutation in our life, 
the things like commitment and perseverance and courage and discipline are being slowly taken out of our society because those things mean we're going to face the reality that we're just doing the wrong thing. So we've got to take responsibility. The young men in this parable took responsibility. Sometimes we blame, um, our circum- we blame our circumstances for not taking responsibility. You know, um, can I really put it in simple terms? You've been dealt a set of cards. I've been dealt a set of cards. We can't change that. But we can change the way that, of course, we um, play the cards. The simplest terms. I know it's not the best um, metaphor, but it's, please understand, it's our heart that ultimately determines how we interpret our circumstances. It's our heart and how we play our life and how we... Outlined, whether we're going to take a hold of God's word, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate our life, whether we're going to allow him to continue to help us to walk in victory and strength. You know, but sometimes we say, well, these circumstances, they're all against me. And yet I've discovered that for people who have really tough circumstances and they come through, sometimes with an incredible smile and a joy in their heart still, and they're winning in life, and yet they go through horrendous circumstances. And yet the same person who goes through, another person, sorry, who goes through half the situation the first person went through comes out embittered and poisoned in life. And I wonder, why is that? Well, I think it's just sometimes the element of taking responsibility for how we feel and how we think and what the attitudes that we have. Would you understand that this morning and the young man did and he walked into victory as I was um, at the age of seven I remember an incident in my life and the fact that I can recall the incident so clearly means it's imprinted on my heart and my mind because I did the wrong thing we often remember things in our lives that either imprint because we've done the right thing or because of tremendous joy or we did the right thing we often remember those types of things the best. And at the age of seven, I'm riding up and down my, past my grandparents' shop. They owned a grocery store. This is the day when Woolies and Coles didn't exist, and so they were pretty much an all-round store for everything. A lot of people coming in and out of that store, and I'm riding up and down the cement path in front of the doorway. My grandmother says to me, sometime in that afternoon, don't do that. You could hit someone on your push bike. I'm seven. You know, and so for five minutes, I parked the bike up, and I thought, yeah, she's right. And then I forgot what she said. Who knows that seven-year-olds do that? Well, boys, especially. And so I continued, I, I started riding the bike up, and there, sure enough, an old gentleman, old gentleman in his 70s, walks out of the shop, and I collect him on my push bike. Thankfully, I didn't knock him over, but I tell you what, I dropped that push bike like a packet of, like a, you know, what's the saying? Yeah, pack of potatoes or whatever the saying is. And I ran with all my heart and hid under my grandmother's big double bed. And then I heard the footsteps of my grandmother looking for me. And finally, I don't know how she found me, but she found me. And I was tucked back up in the corner of this bed against the wall. And she said, you come out of there and you apologize to this man. And I said, no. And I'd like to tell you that I got out of there and apologized, but I never did. And I always regretted not apologizing. And I always regretted not being responsible for my actions. And I think from that day on, I learned a really important lesson because I was, you know, you know, I'd done the wrong thing and I knew it. My grandmother had only, you know, just said, don't ride up and down. And I was so guilty for what I'd done. And, you know, um, and, 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 and regret's a terrible thing. 
Um, and so I had to live with that. And I, I think the gentleman, being in his 70s when I was seven, has probably passed away. So I haven't got an opportunity to ask his forgiveness. But uh, there was a regret there. And you know what? I just learned from now on that responsibility means you've got to sometimes face the hard things and do what you have to do. That's right, hey? So we have to be careful that we just don't have a knowledge but never follow through. Can we look at another thing of this, this uh, prodigal son? And, um, and let me just go to this point here. And it kind of rides off the back of the first point. But the prodigal son, I'm just going to go to, through the Luke 15, 18. We're just going to skip, all, skip a couple. Um, uh, we'll go back now. What do I want? I want Luke. Somewhere there. Well, anyway, let's look at Luke 15. It says, I will arise. I oh, know. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The word make, can we just see the word make in verse 19? The word make has many meanings, and we've just put an English word make in there, but the original Greek also meant to exercise or discipline. Has that. The prodigal son was literally saying to his dad, Dad, would you just discipline, help me discipline my life so that I can make better choices? That's what he was saying. He was saying, come on, I need to be disciplined. And in today's culture, discipline seems to be a bad word. Oh, we don't want to use that word. That's not politically correct. Don't, don't discipline anybody. We'll just help them find a better way or some other word. Or we'll just give them some medication and they'll find a better way. I understand medication can be quite beneficial sometimes. But, you know... Um, but this is what discipline really is. Discipline is doing the painful things now and allowing the pleasurable things to follow. However, that's not the way that nature and our natural flesh tells us to live. Because the natural flesh way to live is to get the pleasurable things now and hope the painful never arrives. Isn't that true? And that's what the young man did. Took all the pleasure and hoped there was never going to be any pain for him. Unfortunately, there was pain in the wrong type of pain. So we've got to be careful. The discipline of planning is really important. The Bible says build your house upon a rock and not sand. Because when building on sand, while you, know, while you can build on sand, and to build on sand means you don't have to do the hard discipline of digging a foundation and putting concrete and spending as much time on the foundation as you do on the structure that's above the soil. You don't have to do that when you build on the sand. You've just got to plonk a house on the sand, build it on the sand. While that may be good, the reality is, is that it, it, when the storms of reality hit, the house on the sand gets knocked down, doesn't it? So while we don't involve ourselves in the discipline at the first place, we're just looking for the pleasure the problem is the choice that we really need to make in life, am I going to choose the pain of discipline or am I going to just have to live with the pain of regret later on? And I want to tell you, after making some mistakes in life, I know which pain I'd prefer, the pain of discipline. And that's the wisdom of the young man. He finally realized that discipline was an incredible 
part that he needed in his life. And that's why he says, make me, Father, discipline. Help me to exercise myself towards discipline. Discipline is such an important thing. Um, the prodigal son had to learn, I sp- and he continued to have to learn it. Uh, discipline um, uh, comes in all forms on our life, but it's so important that we realize, because there's a thing called delayed gratification. Have you heard of that? You know, and it's a good parent that says to the child, no, you can't have the chocolate now, but if you would uh, do this and this and this, then there will be a reward for that. It's a sad day when we continually allow our children just to have all the pleasure but never learn anything to gain that pleasure. Because they'll go into life thinking life is all about me and what I should get and I should never have any feeling or sense that, oh, I'm just going to have to work a bit harder. Would you agree this morning? See, the wisdom of discipline is so powerful for our lives, so important for us. And the young man, uh, he grew up... um, and at first he knew that. He tried to get around it. He tried, wanted all the pleasure, had no discipline, and then he realized that he had to be a disciplined person. Here's another one. Um, not only do we need the discipline of um, the wisdom of discipline and the, and the wisdom. What was the first one? The wisdom of responsibility. But uh, I see in this young man's life, uh, there's the wisdom of being teachable. In uh, Luke 15, 19, it's up there. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. Here's, the, here's another definition for the word make. Not only does it mean exercise or discipline, it also means yield. You know, when you explore the original Greek, you just find so much of what it was really the original language was written in. And the word make means to yield as well. It means to yield to another person so you can be taught. It means to arrive at wisdom. Um, it means to humbly submit yourself to something or somebody so that you can learn. Yields. Proverbs um, 13, 18. We'll go through to that. There it is. Um, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is what? Honored. You know, uh, wisdom. Um, some people um, would arrive at wisdom if they didn't think they'd already arrived at wisdom. You know what I mean? Some people would arrive at wisdom if they didn't think they'd already arrived at wisdom. What I'm saying is, is that there's, um, people sometimes think, well, I, all that I need to know, I know, and all that I'm doing in life is good, so I really don't need any more wisdom. I think we don't literally say that, but you know what? I want to encourage you, um, have a teachable and humble heart before God because there's always something you can learn. Isn't that true? And the moment that we think that, well, I've got it, and not that we would think that, but pride often takes away the opportunity for you to learn. Pride will, pride will suck the life out of you because it doesn't allow for a heart of learning. And that's a destructive thing. Um, wisdom to cultivate an attitude to learn. Being teachable. Um, you know, the reality is, is there's some, if you want to learn some things, um, you know, um, there's... If you want to learn from other people, for instance, it's always good to go to someone that's got some runs on the boards. If you want to learn how to have a great marriage or you want to get some advice on a great marriage, there's probably some people in the world you just wouldn't go to. And for the sake of those who play cricket here, Shane Warne would be one name I'd probably pop up in my head. I wouldn't go to Shane and talk about how to do a great marriage. 
But I would talk to him probably about how to bowl a ball. So he's got some wisdom about him. You know, and so there's, you know, there's some, just some wisdom and talking to people with some wisdom. Talking to some people who've got... You, you know, if you want to have a great marriage, go and find someone who's been married for 50 years and enjoyed it. Because there's probably some people who've been married for 50 years who haven't enjoyed it. But there's... Go and find someone who really enjoys their marriage and say, what, what's, what's one thing you could tell me? And they might say, make sure that you always say you look great in that dress. If you, want to, if you want to learn how to keep your job and work for a long time, go to a person who's worked for a long time and enjoyed being a, you know, a faithful employee. But don't talk to a person who changes their job every three weeks. Probably, you know. Uh, mind you, in Gladstone's climate at the moment, you might have to change your job every three weeks. But the reality is being teachable. This young man, as soon as he said to his father, would you just make me? In other words, I just yield my life to you, Dad. I give up my selfishness, because that's what he had before. I give up my bad attitude. I give up my pride, and I say, hey, can I just work for you as a servant? That'll be fine. I don't even have to be a son. And you know what? We can come to our Heavenly Father and say, Father, would you just teach me? I know that I'm your son, but I just want to just learn from you. I just, as I read your word, would you just, it, 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 just allow the Holy Spirit to search my heart so that I can learn and grapple and receive all that you have for me? Help me to be honest and open. You know, um, humility isn't weakness. Humility is strength. Because it's the confident people in this world, in this world who, who walk in confidence who have true humility often. It's not the arrogant and proud. It's the confident and humble who really see things uh, do life well. Um, Several other things I had here. Why don't we just finish with this this morning? Um, This is the verse I shared last time, but I'll finish with this. In Proverbs 9, uh, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of wisdom. You want to know where to start with wisdom? You want to know how in the world can I get wisdom? Well, I go and talk to this person or talk to that. That might be good, but I want to tell you how to get wisdom. You've got to start at the very creator of your soul. You've got to start at the very place what, that God had for you. Can I have the muses? Thank you, team. Um, because God created us, he established us, he knows how we best operate, how we best think, how we best function. And, you know, the writer of Proverbs said, you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear as in, of course, reverence and respect. I think we all understand that. It's not some scared attitude that we have in life. But it's, it's, in, it's involving, of course, and it's embracing the reality that my God has incredible truth and answers for my life. And as I humbly submit to him, as I humbly walk before him, as I yield my life to him, that's what worship is about. When we come and just worship him and honor him, humbly submitting our hearts to him, yielding our lives to him. And you know, when we do that, it allows us to have the knowledge that God is real. And God, if God is real, then I am not God. And if I'm not God, then, then, and I'm not the, then I'm not the center of my universe. But God needs to be the center of my universe. And I need, and if that's the truth, then I need His help. I need His wisdom. And I need His guidance. And as I reverence Him, do you know what? He, he puts not just knowledge, but the ability to 
activate that knowledge into wisdom. And then when we come up with some major decisions in life, we actually know, well, this is the way I need to go. We actually know the decisions we need to make. We actually, you know, can make right decisions, not based upon a good thought or just an inkling, or, but based upon a truth and based upon the very presence of God that dwells within you. Because God is good and God does give you good answers and God has the best intentions for you. It actually says in Jeremiah, I want to hope in a future. I want to see you blessed and not cursed. That's a good God. And you know, when we, we, we need to realize that the wisdom that he gives us is not the wisdom of this world. It's the wisdom from a heart of a father. But just like the prodigal son, that dad looked out the window probably every day waiting for the father for the son just looking for some hope and you know what God looks into your heart this morning and just looks for that hope that heart that would lean into him and not lean into the world lean into him and as he sees that he wants to impart wisdom and truth and love and strength can we stand this morning We have an incredible opportunity today just to say, Father, I just yield again to you. Father, I just give up my life again today to you. I don't want to live in just the pride. I don't want to live in my selfishness and arrogance. I just want to yield to you. Lord, I want to have wisdom to take responsibility and not blame others or you or anybody else God, I, don't, I want to have responsibility. I want to just discipline, not in a, a way that's bad, but in a, in a way that just continually walks in truth. So I just want to pray for you this morning. Would you just um, be open to receive this morning? And in your heart, if this is a prayer that you want, you to say amen at the end. Father, today we live as your people. Um, Father, and we would all probably here today acknowledge you. But God, help us to be ever so aware of not leaving Christ out of this Christmas. Not leaving you on the shelf, God, but in inviting you, um, Father, leaning into you and yielding our hearts to you, Lord. Learning from you that wisdom comes from your heart into our heart. And that wisdom is the heart of wisdom of responsibility and, and the wisdom, Father God, to be disciplined and the wisdom... Father, to walk in your truth and not my own. Father, we invite you as we stand at the threshold, I suppose, of a new year. God, that we'll do things different next year that we did this year. That we'll make right decisions, Father, as your people. And that, Father, we'll see the wisdom of God flowing out through our lives as we activate that knowledge that you've given us through your words. That we'll have revelation and not just information. Father, we want to be a people that would just walk in your ways so that we can be blessed and not have to be cursed. And we thank you today and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed would have to say, what? Amen. Amen. And just to make sure we get everybody, we'll say it again. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just from one moment to today before we close this worship things too. could not hold you. The veil tore before you, you silenced the birds.
praise of your glory for you You have no rival. You connect with.